evening, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 31. Pew Bible, page 1,772, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 31. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. Paul to the church in Corinth. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written... Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Have you ever heard a story so bizarre, so outlandish that you, um, that you couldn't believe that it was real? You had to Google to see if it really happened. Or you say something like, okay, pictures or it didn't happen. Well, sometimes we can be so caught up in our um, Christian circles that we forget that the gospel, the word of the cross, is a story like that. For instance, I saw a statement from an, an unbeliever this week that said, Christians tell you not to practice witchcraft or astrology, but celebrate the resurrection of a dead guy on the Sunday after the first full moon of the equinox. Then they drink wine and bread as his blood and body and enchant over their animal sacrifices before they feast. I mean, it does kind of sound bizarre, doesn't it? Well, you see, the gospel of the cross is that kind of story. It's outlandish. It's unbelievable. It comes from this other world, this otherworldly perspective. The good news of a Savior dying on the cross 
is so contrary to the wisdom of the world, so opposite of the ways of the world and the ethos of the world, that it really just cannot be believed by natural means. The gospel of the cross comes from God, comes to a broken world, a fallen, prideful, and arrogant humanity, and it reveals how redemption was accomplished and how the grace of God is necessary in applying that salvation to our hearts. Our theme tonight is the power and wisdom of God is revealed in the weakness and foolishness of the cross. Our first point tonight is the power and wisdom of God. The second point is boasting excluded, humility included. So let's look at that first point. The power and wisdom of God covers verse 18 through 25. At the beginning of the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses what he finds to be an issue in the church of Corinth. There is a number of divisions that are happening. And it happens to be that these divisions are people in the church of Corinth focusing on what they believe is their favorite teacher, their favorite pastor, their favorite author. Some are saying... I follow Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. Others are saying, I follow Cephas. And others are saying, I follow Christ. And Paul ends this explanation of this division that's happening in the church of Corinth that's been reported to him by saying, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except, and he goes on and lists, and I, yes, I might have also baptized the house of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember. But then in verse 17 of chapter 1, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And then he begins in verse 18 by beginning to explain what he means by not with words of human wisdom. The gospel has to be powerful. He doesn't want the cross of Christ to be emptied of its power. In verse 18 he says in the NIV, the message, but it's actually the word logos. It's the same word that we see in John chapter 1. The word was God, the word was with God, and that logos word has a lot of connotation in the Greek culture, tied to philosophy, tied to the idea of knowledge. In Greek philosophy, the logos was the truth, the logos was the power that is in words and communication. And Paul, he was flipping that on its head because he knows that these people in Corinth, they, they highly prize the, the sophistication and the sophistry and the philosophy and the rhetoric of the Greek culture. He says, well, no, no, it's not the logos of Greek philosophy that you should be impressed with. It's the logos of the cross, the word of the cross. 
And the word of the cross, the message of the cross, Paul says, it's foolishness to those who are dying. But it's the power of God to those who are coming alive. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And he quotes Isaiah chapter nine or chapter twenty nine verses thirteen through sixteen and verse nineteen. When he says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. The prophet Isaiah in chapter twenty nine of his book says this. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us, who will know. You turn things upside down, as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, he knows nothing. And what's Paul saying by quoting this? Well, in one sense, he's saying that the wisdom of this world, the wisdom of this so-called age, is destroyed. It's taken away. God is destroying it by the cross of Jesus Christ. But in another sense, he's saying, to think oneself wiser than God is to turn things upside down. So let's say someone is to hear the story of the cross, the gospel of the cross, and go, So God, the creator of the universe, the heavens and the earth, decides that he's going to save his people from their sin. And the way he decides to do that is by sending a Jewish man in the streets of Nazareth to grow up in the promised land and to die on a criminal's tree. How ridiculous is that? Shall the potter... Shall the clay say to the potter, Why have you formed me this way? You got things upside down. If you think phrases or things like this, well, if I were God, I wouldn't have done things that way. <laughs> so, God has destroyed the wisdom of this world. And in verse 20, he says, Paul continues, Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. How does the world respond to the foolishness of what is preached? The message of the cross, the word 
of the cross. Human wisdom cannot grasp God. Therefore, the gospel of the cross is contrary to the wisdom of the world, which is why God is pleased to save those who believe in what is perceived to be foolish. The preaching of the gospel. The gospel of a Savior who dies on a cross. The question we have to ask ourselves then, how does the world respond to the foolishness of what is preached? Well, Paul tells us, Jews demand signs, miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom. Jews demand signs that correspond already to their presuppositions about the Messiah. Greeks look for wisdom, philosophy, sophistication, sharp arguments with logical precision, delivered with excellent rhetorical skills. Do you remember Paul, who goes to the Areopagus? And oh, they wanted to hear about this new philosophy, this new religion. They wanted to hear all about this new knowledge. And Paul preaches to them about the unknown God. But it's the moment when Paul talks about a man whom God has brought back from the dead that they say, is this man mad? This is what God does. In order to refute the wisdom of this world, to undermine the arrogance and pride of man, God saves through the preaching of a crucified Savior, a stumbling block to Jews, absolute foolishness to Gentiles. You see, the Jews expected a mighty warrior, King Messiah, not a dying, weak, criminal Savior. The Gentiles expected something philosophical and logical, not something supernatural like the death of a Savior on a criminal's cross and his subsequent resurrection from the dead. But this is exactly why the gospel of the cross is the power and wisdom of God, because it reveals those who are called by God. Because the gospel of the cross is out of accord with the wisdom of the world. It's not something that fallen people would believe because it makes sense to them. Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The gospel of the cross is not something someone would believe because it's glorious and majestic according to worldly standards. It's not something someone would believe because it's intelligent according to worldly standards. Now think about it. Think about the way we view someone who can save us now. Even in our own lives, even in our own day and in our own times and the struggles of our country and our nation, we look for powerful people who have influence and wealth and money and have the ability to control and they have the ability to make things happen. 
We don't look to country boys who live in the middle of nowhere. But that's the way God saved. It's something someone believes because they've been called by God. Because it's only those called by God who see in the cross of Jesus Christ. Not foolishness. Not weakness. But the power and the wisdom of God. Those in the world only see it in the foolishness and the weakness of God. See, if I was, uh, had a chance to rename my sermon tonight, I'd do something really clickbaity like naming the sermon The Foolishness and Weakness of God. That would, whoa, what is he talking about there, right? Well, verse 25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. What's Paul saying there? He's saying, but even the foolishness of God, according to the world, is wiser than human wisdom. Even the weakness of God, according to the world, is stronger than human strength. What I'm saying is, is if you see in the cross of Jesus Christ, if you see... In a man hanging on the cross, your salvation, your redemption, the very power, awesome and mighty and almighty power of God. And you see in the cross of Jesus Christ the wisdom of God to bring about your redemption, your salvation, your undeserved grace. Because if you still saw things like the world saw things, the cross would not be glorious to you. The message of the cross would not be what is saving you. The power of God. So how do we make application from this? Well, Paul does this thing himself. And the second point that we have tonight, boasting excluded, humility included. Verse 26, Paul does what I like to call um, that uh, moment in a sermon when you tell uh, the person, uh, people who are sitting in the pew to look at each other and to, uh, and to notice something. That's what Paul does here, okay? He says in verse 26, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. That's how he starts off, right? And this is one of those points when, when Paul is making this, uh, this application here about the message of the cross, the gospel of the cross he begins to tell the church in Corinth, the believers in Corinth, think about yourselves. Think about, think about you. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many influential. Not many of noble birth. And you know, this is the point when 
uh, people are listening to the sermon and they're thinking, wow, it'd be really good for so-and-so to hear this. You know, they're looking at somebody else like, yeah, that guy, he's obviously, they're obviously, Paul's obviously talking about him. He's not wise according to human standards, but I don't know about if he's, how he's talking to me. I mean, not many, well, that person's obviously not influential, but I mean, I don't know about me. The point of this is not for you to look at your neighbor and say, yeah, he's talking about you. You're obviously not wise according to human standards. The point is to look at yourself. Consider yourself when you were called. Were you called because you were smarter? Were you called because you had influence? Were you called because you were a governor or the son or daughter of a, a mayor, someone of high standing in the class, in the society? God does not call us to Christ based on qualities that he finds in us. The Corinthian believers here function as a model for all believers. God doesn't come and give us a pat on the back into the kingdom of God. He doesn't say, here you go. You deserve this. The gospel of the cross is a proclamation of your undeservedness. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. See, a lot of times we, we wonder if there's any reason why God chose us. Ephesians chapter 1 says, in love he predestined us. So we can say there's um, a pure love, a love, an undeserved love that, that God chooses us in. But besides that, we say, no, there really isn't anything in us that God chose us. Well, I would say 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is the only place where we find any sort of reason why God chose us. And it's the most beautiful and wonderful thing. It doesn't say because... You had faith. It doesn't say because you were intelligent. It doesn't say because you had the smarts to figure out the gospel. It says because you're the lowly things of the world. The despised things. The things that are not. God chooses the ragamuffins. He chooses the beat down, the broken, the no names, the nothings, so that he can put to shame 
the wisdom of this world. The people who think they're significant, that they mean something because their dad is so-and-so. Because they graduated from such and such college or university. I went to Ivy League. God does that. To put to shame the things that are. What is his indisputable proof? What is the thing that marks this as his way of redemption, his way of salvation, his way of bringing redemption and salvation? Because the way that he chose to redeem you is through a nothing nobody who lived in Nazareth, who grew up in the promised land in Galilee, who nobody knew of until he turned 30, who came on the scene, preached of the kingdom to come, who was arrested and crucified and died on a criminal's tree. The cross of Jesus Christ. The victory that is found in defeat. The life that is given in death. The eternal that is found in the cessation. The power that is found in weakness. The wisdom that is found in foolishness. The gospel of the cross. And you know, we've had 2,000 years to build upon this gospel of the cross. To create structures and institutions in seminaries, in colleges. We've had years to build upon this and, and, and come up with the Belgic Confession and the Heidelberg Catechism and the Canons of Dorts, these great documents that help us understand what the Bible and the Word of God is saying. We've had many years to build up this tradition and this culture, and sometimes those things can make us feel like we aren't the despised things of the world. The things that are not. The weak things of the world. Sometimes all of that makes us forget. That no matter how far we get, whenever we decide to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else, we have to tell them about how our Savior died on a cross as a criminal who did no wrong. We can never get away from the simplicity, the gruesomeness, the reality of that message. How are we supposed to respond to this knowledge? The proper response is to sit down and to eat a bunch of humble pie. Grab a fork. The proper response is to put to death the pride that lives within us. The proper response to the gospel of the cross is to empty your mouth of all boasting 
unless it is boasting in the Lord. Paul finishes this section by saying, God does this. He chooses the foolish things of the world. He chooses the weak things of the world. He chooses the lowly things of the world, the things that are despised, the things that are not, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, and that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul will go on later to make this even more clear when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the same. Do not be, go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? What's Paul's point? Everything is of grace. Everything is of God. Think about that. The prideful person who's been gifted by God a sharp intelligence and wit who views himself as the smartest person in the room, no matter where he is, puffed up in arrogance, would have nothing if God had not given it to him. Can you boast because you have come to believe in the gospel of the cross and another has not? Can you boast because you are a reformed Christian and others are not? Paul says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. What he means is that the reason for you being chosen is not to be found in you. It's to be found only in God. The reason you have believed in the gospel of, of the cross is not to be found in us. It's to be found in him alone. He's the reason that the word of the cross no longer seems foolish or weak to us, but has become for us the very wisdom of God the reason why in Christ we have found righteousness, holiness, and redemption is because the grace of God, by the Spirit of God, has opened our eyes to believe. To put our trust in. Paul ends by quoting from Jeremiah chapter 9. To give a little bit of context, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 through 26, we read this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these 
my delight, declares the Lord. Don't boast in anything but the Lord. Let him who boasts, boast that he knows God. Have you ever heard a story so bizarre, so outlandish that you couldn't believe it? You had to Google it to see if it really happened. For instance, this week I learned that President Andrew Jackson had a pet parrot. And during his funeral in 1845, his pet parrot parrot began to speak obscenities and had to be removed from the funeral service. The parrot became excited while the crowd was gathering and began to swear, disturbing the mourning people. So the bird was promptly escorted out as people were both in awe and horrified at the words that President Andrew Jackson's parrot was saying. I mean, that's an unbelievable story, right? If you didn't hear it now, you wouldn't believe it. You probably don't even believe it, even though I shared it. The gospel of the cross is like that because it does not come from the wisdom of this age. It comes from the wisdom of the age to come. And we have been ushered, brought into the age to come because the Holy Spirit has opened up to us that wisdom, the wisdom of the cross, the power of the cross. And we live now between two ages. And as long as we remember that the salvation that we've received is not anything to do with us, and it's to God's glory alone, as long as we remember that the power and wisdom of God is revealed in the weakness and foolishness of the cross according to the world, We must always remember that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. May we remember the gospel of the cross. And may we share the gospel of the cross. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have shown us your power and your wisdom in the weakness and foolishness of the cross. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us. We thank you that you have chosen us. We proudly bear the name of the foolish things of the world the weak things of the world, the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, because we know it is through Jesus Christ, our Savior, dying on a cross that you have redeemed us, saved us. May we not boast in anything but you, Lord. May we have humility. May you grow in us that humility as we remember the gospel of the cross. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
you stand and sing with me when I survey the wondrous cross. It's going to be from the celebration hymnal 324. That's different than what you have in your, uh, in your bulletin, but it will be on the screen. Celebration th hymnal 324, but if you want to look at the books, that's the number there for you. Celebration 320, 324, when I survey the wondrous cross. Standing to sing. <laughs> 